Bonjour, hello, and hola. I know I mix those around, but I do what I want anyways. I'm Jacob Dupree with the Misfit Fantasy Football Podcast, accompanied by my, you know, always very, 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 <clears throat> very special co-host, Jance. How you doing, amigo? Well, sir. How are you? I'm tired, and I'm still tilting from our rookie draft the other night. It seemed like I looked up and bam, snipes. Oh, I want that guy. Bam, snipes. Oh, I want to trade for this. Bam, snipes. I know we'll get into this later. I thought I was doing you a favor in round two, taking the guy you wouldn't take. Oh. And that was not the case, unfortunately, it's, for, for you. It stung my heart just a little bit. Like, like I told you in the text, like, I was upset. I wasn't that upset, but I was upset. Okay. But, you know, we'll, we'll talk about my tears later, and you can gloat about how you had 20 draft picks and they all turned out great for you, including, here's a little preview for the world, getting Garrett Wilson at the 109. Who would have thought? Not me. Who would have thought? Not me. And I know I could have taken him, but that's fine. But not me. I didn't think he would make it that far. <laughs> but anyways, we'll kind of delve right into a little quick bit of news. Uh we're going to gloss over this one because I know Taylor wants to yell about it because he has a lot of passions about the Browns for some god-awful... Oh, that's right, because Baker Mayfield played there once and he's a Sooner stand. That, that's about the only reason. Or he loves pain. Yeah, I, th- he, I think a masochist also fits into his definition. Uh, Deshaun Watson's suspension was, I guess, upgraded to an 11-game suspension and fined $5 million. In addition to... He has to go to like rehab. In addition to... His first game back is going to be against the Texans. I think that was just an extra punishment, I guess. Oh, is that real? Yeah. I didn't know that. His first game back is going to be against the freaking Texans. So, like, does anything really change? Like I said, we'll gloss right through this. I think the only thing that changes is if the Browns trade for Jimmy Garoppolo or somebody like that. But even then... I don't think that really moves the needle much from Jacoby Brissett. So, I mean, I think things are essentially as they were, just tack on another five games and hope the Browns are in the running and can make a playoff push. If that, that's, that. That, that's about it. I mean, like from a dynasty or a fantasy football perspective, I feel like since you know he's coming back week 11, do you pursue a trade at the trade deadline for maybe Amari Cooper or like David Njoku, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt and company, or do you just kind of let it be? Uh, these are all with the assumptions that Deshaun Watson is going to be as productive as he was. Not that he can't, but more so from the standpoint of we forget this guy hasn't taken a real live snap in like what, a year and a half. It's been, basically, by the time he plays, it will be two full calendar years just about. Yeah, and that matters. I mean, we can all think all day that these guys can just walk in and just get right back to it, but I really don't think that's the case. So to even whenever he comes back, I would – I would significantly temper your expectations. And here's the here's their schedule after he comes back. So it's the Texans, the Bengals, the Ravens, the Saints, the Commanders, and the Steelers. I mean, those aren't cakewalks. Yeah, those aren't cakewalks of defenses. That's going to be more, I think, difficult time than people imagine. But especially after that first preseason game where we saw Deshaun, like he needs to knock some rust off, get some WD-40 out, and just kind of coat it all over him right now. Uh, and one last thing, even if uh, – I'll ask you this. Let's say the Browns don't do well in the first 11 games. I'm assuming their bye week probably somewhere in there. So let's say they are – let's say they're 3-7 and seven going into that or 3-6, and uh, six, whatever you want to call it, <clears throat> and the playoffs are not looking likely. Do they even 
do they bring him back to to try and claw their way back even with the odds against him? Just say, hey, this season's a loss. Let's make sure you're healthy. Let's bring you back next year with a clean slate and just go at it then. I mean, gut reaction. I feel like you go ahead and trot him out there because it's like, what do we have to lose? If he looks like crap, he's knocking the rust off in live action at least. Um, but it's also like you're in his ear. It's like Deshaun. If you get in trouble, go down. If you run the ball, slide three yards before you think you need to. I don't care if you need a fourth down conversion. Protect your butt because you're our $253 million investment. Guaranteed. I don't want nothing happening. Guaranteed. <laughs> God. And what is that going to do like Justin Herbert's contract? Joe like, Burrow's contract? Lamar Jackson contract. Lamar Jackson. Yeah, like, well, that, that's the hang up on that one, apparently, is, is – is- people are considering that and so that's that's where this gets tricky is is anytime somebody makes a contract like that it just resets the market for everybody and everybody wants to back up the bus and get theirs after that and so uh, as we already heard the teams were super pissed about that the players are excited and I think they're probably going to have to meet in the middle but these guys are still going to get paid a lot of guaranteed money more than they ever have yeah I heard the owners were trying to like find some sort of legal loophole to get the deal voided so that way they didn't weren't on the hook for that because you know the second that was happening the owners of the chargers the you know the Bengals, the ravens they all started kind of looking at each other and sweating a little bit it's like uh we need to have a garage sale just to make sure we can cover this bill but anyways the next thing i feel like that was very pertinent towards dynasty fantasy football is this one pains my heart and i don't know why like antonio gibson returned kicks for the commanders and he played mostly with the backups. Like, is this a very assertive way of, you know, uh, the coach sending a message? Like, or is this riverboat Ron actually like being a bad coach? Because I feel like one thing that even like we can safely agree on is he's probably one of their best playmakers on the team. Right. Well, that's, I mean, I, I just don't know what to think of something like that. Cause even the context of, of what there's nothing good that can come from them having him return yeah. kicks yeah. because you don't you don't generally use your most productive people to return kicks because it's very risky and dangerous unless like Tyreek on punts and even that mm-hmm. wasn't in every, every yeah even play. that was just a hey we really need something special maybe here so Tyreek what do you think and this and this was in the preseason so I mean what what could he show you in the preseason that you can't see in practice that would overwhelmingly you know outdo the risk of him getting hurt, taking something back in the preseason. So, I mean, it's only bad. It's just how bad is it? And, like, it's it's conflicting because it, even, like, yes, I do have Antonio Gibson on the roster or whatever. Even if Brian Robinson is the guaranteed bonafide 70% of snap starter or, like, 50% of snap starter and with a third down back, you're going to tell me that J.D. McKissick is a better third down receiver than Antonio Gibson right now? I don't know if I'd say that. And that's what I want to know because uh, let's say we make the report at face value, at least the one I saw. They say we want they they think they want to get Brian Robinson first and second down work, and then it may it sound as if they would mix in both Antonio Gibson and Jay McKissick for third down. And I get why. I mean the whole the whole discussion has been not that Antonio Gibson isn't talented, but it's mm. that he's too indecisive, and they want somebody to make one cut and get the field, which is exactly obviously what what Brian Robinson is. Mm-hmm. Maybe they give Brian most of the first and second down work. They spell him with Antonio and then they split. The th- I don't know. It's a well, mess it, because they, they did all that work 
to bring back J.D. McKissick mm-hmm. from the Bills. So you think you bring somebody, you pay him, you want to have a role for him, you need to have a role for him. Now it just gets muddied. And like, I don't really know what to do with the situation, just, but it's it not It doesn't – no, it's it's definitely not good. And my thing is, once kind of like you said, it's like it just doesn't make sense. Like the guys put up 2,000-yard rushing yards while he's – rushing seasons while still learning to play the position at the highest level of competition. And I'm yeah. like, whenever you're the coach sitting there spouting all this nonsense, you're making return kicks. Like you're going to get in a guy's head. But my thing is if I'm another NFL team, and this will be a fun question, like what team needs to trade for Antonio Gibson today to make him, even if he's not like the primary 70% ball care, like even if he's the one a of a one, a one B punch, what team needs to go get him? Because I feel like he's apparently very available because doesn't his rookie contract expire like next year or something well, like that? that? My question to you would be the contract status. Cause obviously we always know it's always about the money and how much people pay him. But like, I mean, my mind goes to how much would the chargers love to have him come in and just take that running back two spot for how much of a, of a mess that's been this preseason trying to, get that figured out. The fact that they could say, Hey, Austin, here's your first and second down work. You'll catch a couple passes, but we're given, you know, two minute drill, third down work to Antonio Gibson. And occasionally we'll flex him out and put him on the slot every once in a while. Just something crazy like that. An offense, that dynamic. I mean, that's the first place my mom would go to. So like that. Antonio Gibson's contract will expire um, after 2023, but here's the catch is, for right now, his salary, like if he, they're just outright cut him right now, it's only $570,000. Like that's not bad at all for an NFL franchise. Like people eat that all the time. And next year it only goes down. Like next year it's 286000 And so I've, I feel like if you are a team who does need this, like I know that the Dolphins signed Chase Edmonds, but like why would you not consider bringing in Antonio Gibson, who is another just playmaker you can add to come out of the backfield? that you can just have them split with Chase Edmonds even like, cause they're both similar type runners. But even at this point, I would say Antonio Gibson's probably like better suited. I know it's within the division, but if they cut him, obviously they can't decide who he mm-hmm. goes to. But I mean, if you're the Eagles, yeah, you not take someone like that. I mean, yeah, I mean Sanders <clears throat> had his fair share of injury yeah. history. And it's not like Boston Scott's really gunning for that, that spot. And, and we've just, seen Antonio Gibson do goal line work before. Like that's, I feel like, that's the very confusing thing is all for the past two seasons, all we've heard is Antonio Gibson. Like he's going to be, he's great at this. He's working on this. He's doing this. Like we expect great things. Then all of a sudden they drafted a day three or day two running back. They, for some reason, re-signed JD McKissick after whatever reason he decided to step away from the bills. Like Are you, to that point, I mean, he, he didn't go to the bills to where you assume the bills were saying, Hey, come be a part of this. We want to use you in third down. We want to, Throw the rock around. You assume he comes back to Washington because they had to have come to him and almost made a promise and say, "Hey, we have got a place for yeah. you." And unless he just loves living in the Washington D.C. area, maybe he's got a sweet house, <laughs> great neighborhood, and great neighbors. You just—I don't know. I mean, you think there's got to be a reason he came back. Last thing I'll say on this, just to kind of like once again add to the confusion, is. Uh, Antonio Gibson had 258 rushing attempts last year. That is only less than Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, and Jonathan Taylor. That is more carries than Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick Chubb, like names that you would think should be in different stratospheres. 
He had 258 uh, total carries, all on a stress fracture in one of his legs, by the way. I don't, I don't understand. Get him on a new team, please. Not just for my dynasty roster. That'd be great. But for his sake as well. <laughs> He's a good boy. Uh, the last thing we'll kind of talk about is Tom Brady is supposed to be back at camp on Monday. And so it's, you know, the day when you're listening, or no, day after. So whenever he shows back up for, because I think he took a stint out. He went to somewhere with his wife and I, I don't know. I'm no, confused. I, I, I love the theory that's been going around is that he went to Mass the break Singer. to film the Mass Singer <laughs> for Fox. I love it. I would, I hope, I I would hope that's true. Please God, let this be true. Uh, and something that he shows up to is going to be less than happy because he lost another starting lineman to an ACL MCL tear. So that's all three of his interior linemen are going to be brand spanking new replacement level guys with only his two tackles, I think are the same guys. Should we be downgrading all of the Buccaneer players? Or are we just going to turn blind and eyes and say like, because Tom's so good, he can do it. Good question. I think, you just remember what would they consider changing the offense dramatically from the idea that, hey, you're probably not going to have as good a protection. At least the assumption would be that. So we're going to change this thing over to almost strictly just quick throws, screens, slants, get the ball out of Tom. Roethlisberger esque. Yeah, which I mean, and Tom's done a great job of that over his career. But I mean, I know that's a lot of speculation, but after a while, these injuries. Add mm-hmm. up and they begin to matter. Now we can't exactly, you know, know exactly what the production will be, but I, I think it's at the point that you can't say that it doesn't matter. It's yeah. a matter of how much it's going to matter, and that's where it gets difficult. And, yeah, and I feel like I like what you said that it matters, but we don't know how much it matters. And so I feel like that's why personally, like I'm probably not going to be drafting many Buccaneers unless it's out of value, just because to whatever level it might be, there's some levels of uncertainty. Like I think Tom Brady's like quarterback five. Five or seven off ADP right now. Leonard Fournette's going as a top 12 to 15 running back. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, like those guys are all going tops, you know, 60, 70 picks. When I'm over here, it's like, I'll wait for Julio in like the round 11 or 12 because if he sucks, oh, well, I cut him off my roster and I move on with my life. But like, it's just, I feel like it's starting to get that little drip drop of concern on the Buccaneer rosy outlook that we've just had since Tom Brady moved there. But even with him just being gone for a couple of weeks, yeah. you know that he's probably good for it. But I mean, building rapport with Julio and with the injuries that Mike Evans has been working through, and obviously Chris Godwin um, come working his way back Chris a little Godwin bit, coming through his. I mean, New tight end. matters. Yeah, even if these guys have been together. So I mean, I don't think we can take all this lightly. Maybe tread lightly with Buccaneers. I don't know. It's hard I'm, to say. I mean, can I be so bold to say that? If the offensive line doesn't hold up, that the Buccaneers could very well flirt with like wild card status, flirting with five hundred. Just I because think the question's got to be is they are in the perfect division for them. That's thank God, because I mean, there's not they're not going to get a whole lot of run in that division. I mean, they're not going to be the Falcons. We're not going to be the Panthers. So you would say the Saints take that next step and give yeah. them a push. But even then, even with all the problems, I would still be a betting man saying the Bucks are going to win that division. So, it's probably, yeah, it wouldn't help their chances, but it's such a bad division. Yeah, if it was any other division, I think we'd probably start knocking them down a little bit. But luckily, like you said, they're in the perfect spot of crap. And luckily right now, they're the biggest turd of the bunch. 
So we'll kind of progress to the next segment of the first half where <clears throat> we kind of thought of an idea. It's like, hey, you know what? Let's let's do an Empire mock. Yeah, that'd be fun. And then we realized like, oh, crap. That was last night as of the time people are listening to this. Yeah, that probably won't be useful. It'd be great for us. be fun for us, but it'd be useless for everybody else. But that's beside the point. So see, look, we didn't take the selfish route, unfortunately. It's my fault. So you guys are welcome. So we're going to move into something where I'm just going to call like super foreshadowing. So basically what we're going to make eye contact with is the players who are currently like some, I'm not even going to give a limitation. I would say just a player that next season, whenever 2023 drafts are rolling around and, you know, the dynasty summer, whenever you're making trades, the guys whose value is either going to skyrocket and be like top 12 of their position or the guy who's going to bottom out and we need to try to get rid of them at some point in time through the season. Chance, do you have a guy in mind, or do do we need to just shoot from the the hip here? Yeah, I've got a guy. I think I think Cortland Sutton Sutton, excuse me, is a guy that would match that description from the standpoint of yeah, he's going what he's going wide receiver close to twenty. According to fantasy like, pros right now, he is wide receiver twenty six in dynasty rankings. So this is a guy who you know suffered injury, missed time, and throughout his time with the Broncos has never had a quarterback. <laughs> really talented <laughs> enough to show us his skill set and his ability. Now he gets that opportunity. We know how much Russ loves to throw it downfield. We know how productive someone like Tyler Lockett has been in Seattle's offense with Russell for so long. And I think that's the hope we have for him, certainly from a redraft perspective. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, Russ is going to be there for the long term. Cortland, we assume, if he produces, is going to be there for the long term. So if this – works out kind of like we're thinking. I have a hard time believing he doesn't come into next year being at least a top 15-ish receiver, mm-hmm. at least certainly in redraft, and then he's only going to go up in dynasty. Just because I think I think the talk is justified to say, hey, maybe this is Russell's best opportunity to be in the MVP conversation. He's had fantastic starts in Seattle. Wasn't able to finish down the stretch. Now he's in an offense where it doesn't have Pete Carroll. It's just going to force them to run the ball. They can mm-hmm. throw this thing around as much as he'd like, we assume and think. So at that point, the offensive potential, in my opinion, is kind of as high as it's been. Yeah. Somebody's got to catch the ball, <laughs> and my money would be on Cortland Sutton. So that's that's a guy, I think, who's – stock is going to go up here pretty quickly so here's a question for you we'll say this year i mean Cortland sutton's a clear number one we'll just say like 1200 yards 85 catches eight touchdowns next season in like redraft is he talked about a top 12 wide receiver or do you think he's still like the high-end wide receiver two territory and i know this puts a lot of different things in there it's like because devonta adams tyreek traded teams just like all that stuff so like i think it depends on on what the dynamic of target share goes in his own team. 27%. Uh, so basically that's like nine targets a game, eight targets a game. Yeah. I think he'd probably be a higher end wide receiver too, which is still way far, much farther than where he's going right now. So it's still be an increase. I think it just depends if, if it turns out that he and Jerry Judy are really just neck and tech and sorry, neck, 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 neck and tech. tech. <laughs> <laughs> and create new phrases. Neck and neck. And there's just one A and one B type of thing. I think it makes that distinction a lot harder. But if he comes out and he's the clear wide receiver one in this offense, then I think you can start to dip your toes in the idea of kind of like where Michael Pittman is kind of starting to go. Where in Dynasty, he's 
wide receiver 10-ish. Yeah, he's, 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 he's going off. He's going off wide receiver 13. I kind of think that's what you're looking for, something like that next year. So I think I'm going to stick with the wide receiver room because I scrolled down and a guy caught my eye. Josh Palmer, wide receiver for the Los Angeles Chargers, currently wide receiver 70, according to Dynasty Rankings. Play with me on this one. <laughs> so what we're going to look at here is, so Keenan Allen is great guy, great receiver, fantastic. He turns 31 by the time his next contract tolls. Typically, wide receivers try to see a dip in their production. So we'll just play the game that Keenan Allen towards the middle of the year, for some reason, like just starts to show signs of slowing down. Mike Williams has his hit or miss wide receiver one weeks. And then you kind of come to this conclusion of those two guys, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen have always missed a couple games here and there. Josh Palmer steps in and he is a decent third option. My thought would be if Keenan Allen is no longer with this roster for whatever reason, because next season, while it is kind of a, it's a decent sized hit, obviously it's almost $7 million, but we'll just say they reworked the contract where it's more of a friendly thing. And Josh Palmer can step in to be the wide receiver two for a Justin Herbert offense. I feel like he'll go from being wide receiver 70 up to like a wider mid wide receiver two area, like probably like the low mid to low end because I mean, we saw in the preseason game, he was targeted heavily by Chase Daniels. He had a, an awesome grab over the middle. He caught a touchdown pass and it looked good. And then he sat the rest of the day. Um, plus, we've heard good reports from camp coming out about Josh Palmer. So my thing with him is just that I feel like this is one of those you could probably offer most dynasty managers like a third round pick of 2023 for Josh Palmer. They're going to think that they're getting a steal. When in reality, I mean, he could step in as soon as this season to be a consistent like low end flex play for you just because of the offense he's on. So he he's the person that I look at. Plus whenever Keenan Allen missed last season or Mike Williams missed Josh Palmer stepped right into the same role, received a similar target share and was just that guy for Justin Herbert. I think that's a good point to make is that Mike Williams really has his very, once a niche, but he's got his specified role in this offense mm-hmm. where he's the downfield threat. He's a big body. And so if, if Josh Palmer could come in and not even necessarily usurp Keenan Allen, but begin to get inroads into those kind of targets yeah. and kind of work, um, there's a real avenue for him to make some serious production in that offense that within a year or two, I could, I could certainly see his stock going up significantly in that regard. And plus, I mean, it's never bad to have pieces of a really good offense. I mean, as long no. as Justin Herbert's there, like every guy well, who's the wide receiver – even if for injury's sake, and that's the question you have to ask yourself when you're dealing with somebody that's wide receiver three or, or running back two or three on the depth chart, is if you believe in their talent and they're on an elite offense, you're just a couple of injuries away yep. from you know high status. Yep. You're just that team. one really good game away from all of a sudden them being a consistent player for your lineup. But. Yep. That's my spiel with Josh Palmer. I, I love him. Yes, I did draft him last year, by the way, so excited for him. Chance, do you have another fellow you'd like to talk about who's either going to shoot up or crater out? Much as it hurts me, I, I came in the offseason with a lot of hope for this individual, and now my hope is fading, and it's uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire <laughs> is, is, is who I'm speaking of. Yeah, he's not going super high as is, but it, it just makes me so fearful that that – Certainly early on in this offseason, most, including myself, were drafting him as like the the fancy new car as far as the RB2 section because mm-hmm. we're believing, hey, he's 23 years old. He's a former first-round pick. 
We're just we're thinking that Kansas City's finally gonna get this man the carries that he so richly deserves. The statistics seem to bear out that he's relatively efficient. He catches the ball. And this offseason has only done more to discredit every hope that we had because they are mixing <laughs> anybody and everybody they can touch the ball back there. And so that's where I have this tug of war thinking, is it just that the Chiefs are just determined that they just want to have as many bodies as possible? And so maybe here in the future, if he could just find his way out of Kansas City, that he could be productive. But the other part of me thinks that if he can't find a way to secure this position when he doesn't have a lot of competition from people with a lot of high draft capital, for instance, and he's in elite offense and it's just mm-hmm. not working out, I don't know that it's ever going to. And so in that regard, I think uh, even beyond his ability, I think perception that this is his – make Last or break chance, from a perception yeah. standpoint, especially among fantasy drafters, that if he doesn't produce this year, it doesn't matter what the situation is next year, nobody's going to take the bait and his draft potential for next year is going to be way low and your ability to trade him is going to get even further down. <laughs> gonna, it's going to end up looking like Antonio Gibson's does this year, right? Am I right? <laughs> yeah, no, no and, and I, I, I believe I it. that's a similar thing. Yeah. <laughs> I believe that talent will win out. But anyways... Um, I'm going to kind of play the same angle. Uh, I'm going to say George Kittle is going to fall out of being like a top eight tight end just because I have concerns. He plays violently. He all like, I think every year he's played except for one, pretty sure he's missed at least four to five games. Um, there's a new quarterback that's in town. And I know sometimes like the new quarterbacks, especially the young quarterbacks like Trey Lance, they love those massive in the middle of the field targets, AKA George Kittle. But my thing with that is I feel like in Trey Lance's history, very limited, I'll add. No, this isn't a dig on Trey Lance, but it is a dig on Trey Lance. It's very limited in history as a passer. The middle of the field is kind of a empty, echoey space where it doesn't even exist to him. Like he kind of has a tendency to turn a blind eye to that because it's either read one, read two, or go. And so my concern is just that the combination of injuries that he'll be turning 29 this season and with it's a new offense, new quarterback, like part of the reason why he was getting so many targets was Jimmy G could not run. He could not move out of the pocket. And so it's just, where's my blankie known as George Kittle? I'm going to throw the ball to you. So that's kind of my thought and my angle with that. And you just kind of talk about the overarching theme of what Trey Lance is supposed to be, supposed to be a goal line threat to steal touchdowns. Well, George Kittle's bread and butter was if he's not busting off a 75 yard play, it was just outmanning people in the end zone slash the red zone to come down with touchdowns. So I feel like if, you know, with Trey Lance, I'm not projecting to be as good of a passer as Jimmy Garoppolo. That means receptions go down, yards go down, touchdowns go down, as well as with everybody else expecting Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk to kind of take that next step and to be that one, one a one B punch with the passing game. So that's my concern with George Kittle that next season, I think we'll probably be drafting closer to like tight end eight, tight end nine. Still not bad, but like we usually say, like after the top four, three or four tight ends, it's a who cares, <laughs> kind of a sh- shoulder shrug. Well, I think with George Kittle especially, but with all the 49ers uh, skill position players, is when it comes to their projected value, nobody really thinks they're all going to stay status quo <laughs> as they were last year. seems there's two sides to this, that either you're somebody that thinks that Trey Lance is going to bring this dynamic push the ball downfield kind of mindset that could take this offense to the next level and elevate everybody. 
or you take it to the opposite end of the spectrum where you think that he's not as accurate, he's not going to be as good of a pocket passer, all the things that you've rightly presented, and everybody in this offense is going to take one step back because he's going to be stealing going opportunities and running the ball more often. And so to your credit, I think that whichever side that you line up on as far as you think the offense will get better or worse, that's your opportunity now to try and get value for those players, better or worse. Mm-hmm. Because I can guarantee you, you can find somebody else in your league that thinks the opposite of you and that you both can get what you want out of that. Yeah, and I think that's one of the exciting things about this year is I think a lot of people are keeping a close on that offense for many reasons because it could go one of two ways and they are both in polar opposites of each other. Yeah, like so right here, according to NFC ADP, which is kind of like it's high stakes fantasy leagues, Debo Samuel is currently, let's see, here's the 201, 2, 3, 4, 5. He's a 206. George Kittle is the 5, 1, 2, the 5, 5. And then Brandon Ayuk is starting to creep up and he's down here in the, in the latter half of the eighth round. So, I mean, and that's just kind of one of those things of, I feel like the fantasy community as a whole is just taking a shot at which guy it thinks is going to kind of maintain its status in regards to also the positional scarcity and value and stuff like that. But like you said, this will be an intriguing year to see what happens with the San Francisco, you know, collective of offense. So I have, I have one more that we can talk about before we send it to a break and then review a rookie draft. Um, and this might pull your heartstrings a little bit because you're a Cowboys fan, but CeeDee Lamb. Which way do you think he's going to go by the end of this year? Do you think he's going to be a riser or a faller? Because as you and I have talked about before, we both kind of feel like this is his shot to show us that he's something special or is just a guy. I think I almost think that he has to be a riser. Um, I understand people's um, hesitancy regarding him because he's kind of gotten right to the crest of being that guy, but then really couldn't quite get over it this past season. But I, I think, I think it really depends on what you think of Dak from a fantasy perspective because I'm somebody that believes in Dak from, from a fantasy mm-hmm. perspective this year, certainly, that I think he's being underrated. I think he's going to perform. And if he's going to perform and this offense is going to be relatively good, then somebody's got to catch passes in this offense. I don't think it's going to be Jalen Tolbert. So <laughs> just based off the statistics, I think he almost has to. And even if he's not – super efficient with it. I don't see a scenario where he's not just overly peppered with targets and he makes stuff in that way, especially down the red zone, because you know he's got to be the numero uno threat down there mm-hmm. each and every time, no matter how much the Cowboys want to run the football. So I think just off of need, if anything else, he'll fall into production. But I do believe in him as a talent as well. Yeah, and so once again, just for a little bit of perspective, right now, according to Keep Trade Cut, C.D. Lamb is going off as the number three dynasty wide receiver. Just behind the two LSU guys, Justin, Justin Jefferson, Jabbar Chase, and then just ahead of Cooper Cup and the valuation of a 2023 early one next year, and then T. Higgins is right there. Um, kind of my thing with it, and the thing that I'm just a little concerned with is the fact that when he has had the chance to be that guy, we've kind of like, you know, we've foreshadowed. It's like he has those great moments where, wow, he's a great guy, and then he has those moments of, where were you and weren't you supposed to be good? And so – I do feel like Dak Prescott's a good quarterback. I do feel like he should be able to keep this offense pumping and rolling and moving down the field. My question that I'm, I just want to see what happens is can he stand up with getting the consistent number one treatment? That's my one thing that I'm waiting to see. Like, I hope they move him around the field because 
whenever he was starting as just your straight outside receiver, he was getting locked up by press coverage every time. When he was in the slot, he had a little bit more freedom to his game. But, I mean, I, I, if I had to hedge my bet, I would probably say he's going to be a faller. I'm not going to say he's going to disappear. Don't hear that. I think he's going to have a good year, but I think it's going to be one of those, if he doesn't go for like, you know, 100 receptions, 1,400 yards, and 10 touchdowns, people's just general perception is going to take a step backwards. Well, tell me this. Uh, you say wide receiver three mm-hmm. is his estimated value right now. You, and let's say he does fall. Who do you think – because in order for him to fall, somebody's got to jump him. Who yeah. are some names to you that would end up usurping him? And that's, what, that's what I'm looking at because this is a gross range. Like there's T. Higgins, which I've that's never – what I was thinking. It's like a ghost. Yeah. Over there it's, in that range. Then it's Stephon Diggs. I mean, he's going to be 29 next year. There's Debo Samuel. I don't believe in that. There's A.J. Brown. There's Jalen Waddle, Devontae Adams, Michael Pittman, Drake London. That's like the next five, six. That's the problem to yeah. me is not even so much – who CeeDee Lamb is, it's the, you know, excluding the older guys, which is mm-hmm. basically just age thing with Cooper Cup and Stefan. The next three or four dudes have just as much, if not more, uncertainty than him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where it gets difficult. It's not that he's necessarily going to, you know, jump off the page, but it's like, who are you going <laughs> to – Who do you think better? Gonna, who do you think is going to jump ahead of them because their situations aren't perfect either? And I that's mean – the only name I would see would be like maybe Michael Pittman and Drake London. Like those are the only two guys, but even then, like kind of like you said, that still puts him as like the wide receiver five. That that yeah. ain't bad. But I mean, yeah, I just them. I feel like we're reaching a mesh point of fantasy football where I feel like, you know, for five years it's been like consistent names. It's been Zeke Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, players like that. Well, now all of a sudden, all of those situations have changed. Those players are getting to the point where they're aging out. So I mean we might need to have another conversation one day about like the aging players of the NFL just and like how to address that because it just, it feels like it's coming to a precipice. And I personally don't feel like right now there's like a big crop of names. I'm like, Oh yeah, he's ready to step up. He's going to fill those shoes. He's going to be the next guy. So that kind of has me on edge a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I'm in the same boat with you where it just seems like you've got those top two or three guys in each position group that you feel are just like the next generation of superstars. And then you've got these next five to six that are just kind of, you're waiting to see what are they going to end up doing here? I think hopefully we'll get some more clarity this year. Yeah. This is going to be a very, very heavy, heavily dependent year based off of values. So like you might be an average team at best who trades for one of the like middle tier guys who just ends up swinging for the fences And the next thing you know, it's just going to be a wide swing because this is a very mesh point year. I feel like middle of the season, we're going to need to be active with trades and on the waiver wire and stuff like that. But, well, that's going to do it for our first half of this episode. Um, Stick around, hit the little fast forward button twice, a.k.a. me, because it's what I like to do because I'm impatient. And you're going to catch a review of a Stranger Danger rookie draft and a little hint for you. I was very sad. It broke my heart on multiple occasions. I hate you, Dylan. Just letting you know. All right. I'll catch you guys in a second. Hello. Welcome back. That two taps of that 15-second fast-forward really does you well because it gets you here a little bit quicker. Welcome back to the second half of this uh, Misfit and Fantasy Football podcast. I totally blanked for a hot second. I'm blonde and I'm tired. And I'm also still consoling from a broken heart because we had a rookie draft last night. And I'm a very sad panda. But anyways, we'll we'll start off at the top where it got wonky pretty much right out of the gate. So first off, 
Bruce was getting trades from pretty much, I think probably a good majority of the league trying to trade up. He ended up taking Brees all at the last second. And then like, we'll just get to this now later on in the, in the round, I believe. Yeah. I think it was for your 20. Yeah. It was for your first round pick uh, at one five Ben traded Justin Fields, a 2022 second and uh, your first round pick for Zach Wilson, Bruce's 101, which was Brees Hall, and a 2024 third. That first off shocked me in and of itself. And he said that he just really wanted Justin Fields. My question is, should he have wanted him that bad? Hey, tell me that, someone say that again one more time. Give me the All right. So Brucey boy, he ended up getting Justin Fields. Traylon Burks, because that was your 105 or whatever. And then whoever he got with the 2022 second round pick, which ended up being Wandale Robinson for Zach Wilson, Brees Hall, and then a 2024 three. But he gets my my first next year? No, he did not get anyone's first next year. I think it depends on how you feel about Traylon. I mean, getting... Well, he's got two young guys with a lot of uncertainty. Mm. Justin Fields is the guy I believe in his talent, but yeah, you traded him straight up for CMC, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's been terrible since then. <laughs> the Bears decided they wanted to kill him. <laughs> yeah, so that's the problem. We'll get into that's a whole different mess of worms. But anyway, so two guys with uncertainty. If they both hit, he's winning this side of the trade, I believe, pretty easily. But they've got just as much downside. Where this could just as easily fall in his face. So I I commend him because it seems as if he's somebody, from my perspective, that believes in both those players. And I'm a I'm a big proponent that if they always go and get the guys you believe in, no matter what anybody else tells you. So kudos to him for that. What do I feel about it? I think it's probably about as as even as you can get from the standpoint of there is so much uncertainty. But everybody's gonna have their different opinion on it. Certainly. I mean, I would have. Kept I mean, Brees is Hall. definitely the most the most secure yeah. guy in the trade. So if you're looking for security, then that side of it is like a lot better. I feel like that's where I took it from. It was from that like draft picks are very very volatile, and I feel like Brees Hall is going to be a guy for at least probably the first two years. He's going to play. He's going to be like a mid running back two, low end running back two, probably at the worst. So that's kind of my my feelings with that. And plus, like Justin Fields. While I love him as a talent, that team is offering him up to the football gods and saying, screw it, whoever comes in next, we're going to get him ready. So I kind of – that's kind of how I felt about it. I would rather had the Brees Hall and, you know, Zach Wilson in 2024-3, I think, or whatever. But I think there's any – I mean, I know this is getting way out in the future, but do you take any solace if you're somebody that either has Justin Fields or is trying to acquire him with the belief that say, hey, even if this season is a garbage fire that – maybe Justin Fields finds his way out of Chicago and gets a second start somewhere because we do believe in the town. I mean, that, and that's the one thing of dynasty yeah. that I try to preach to everybody is that it's easy to get tunnel vision mm-hmm. and look for just a year, even mm-hmm. next year after that, but especially in the context of super flex with quarterbacks to where if these guys are good, their, their careers can last 10 to 15 years. Yeah. I mean, you got a long way to the future. This could last. And that definitely played into my pick at 1-7 after my emotions were shattered and thrown against a wall. But, I mean, I do feel like, yes, like if, for instance, if he does become like the backup or whatever, some team is going to come pick him up because everyone's copycat league. Everyone's trying to copy what Lamar Jackson did in 2019 because now you have quarterbacks like who I would argue five years ago, Trey Lance doesn't get drafted in the first three rounds. Justin Fields probably doesn't get drafted in the first five, three rounds. Five years ago, Trey Lance was getting – 
trying to get trying to get uh, to the prom. Trying to get recruited as a safety to come play at Minnesota. Exactly my point. But it's one of those things that's like I feel like just because the NFL's copycat league, some team is going to want to try to come scoop Justin Fields up if this season goes absolutely terribly. Um, just because, like, especially if the team does what the Cardinals did to Josh Rosen, they did it rightly. They got Kyler Murray upgrade. But I don't I don't feel like there's necessarily a guy coming up in the next draft class or even the one after that. Well, and that's what I can't figure out with what the Bears are doing. And I, I know this isn't you know all about Justin Fields. But I know. I'm here for it. To finish this off, we forget that throughout his high school career, as far as being recruited, it was him and it was Trevor Lawrence. They were always 1A, 1B as the top two quarterbacks. They both come to college, same mm-hmm. story, second verse. Both two completely elite college quarterbacks with very similar production. Both come in the same draft class. Both elite coming out of college and drafted highly. So, I mean, from a talent standpoint, it's there. Didn't do anything last year. I mean, what do we know about Trevor Lawrence that we, you know, saying that we don't know about Justin Fields? To me, they've both proven the exact same, but one right now is looked at in a much better light simply because at least it seems as though the Jags are trying to help the quarterback (laughs) and the Bears are actively trying not to. Yeah. I mean, that's a very good point. I guess right now, if anything, from a super flex and two quarterback dynasty perspective, it's by the dip. Because, like you said, everyone's kind of out on Justin Fields. Um, But, anyways, there's a free Justin Fields talk for you. So that was 101, which had some shenanery. 102 kind of shocked me a little bit. Taylor grabbed Drake London. I mean, it's not like it's a it's not like it's a bad pick, but I personally looked at his running back room of Melvin Gordon, JD McKissick, Antonio Gibson, James Robinson, Najee Harris, ETN, Hathman, you know, then he later drafted Hassan Haskins. I kind of was looking closer towards the whole solidifying that room on top because Ken Walker's probably the next best by consensus. I'm not mad at it, though. Drake London's a great prospect, and I think he's going to stick around the league for, you know, well, five years at the least. In addition to that, back whenever we were doing our our preparation and we were doing our our podcasts on incoming mm-hmm. uh, NFL draftees at yeah. the time, it seemed as if we were having to do a little bit of convincing, too, <laughs> to him about Drake London. I'm not sure he was buying at the time, so maybe he saw something since then to change his mind, but it was a – a little bit of a surprise to me, but if I if that was my spot, that's my depends. That, but Drake London, I think, is a stud, so I don't have any problem with it. I, I I think for me, if my roster, almost regardless of what it looked like, unless I had like Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, it would have been Drake London because I kind of like the security of he's going to continue to get chances. I mean, crap, Nikhil Harry is still was still in the news because he was a first round draft pick way back when. He was like the one thirty two instead of the one eight, right? So that put us next into uh, Ken Walker was drafted at the one three, which, you know, I think it was a great selection. It was made by me because he was uh, celebrating Kyle, his Kyle, wife's if you birthday. listen to this podcast, are you alive, sir? <laughs> Let <laughs> us know, <laughs> sir. He's not been <laughs> responding to trade requests or he didn't was not present in this draft. So I will call the authorities to help you, sir. But that happened. Ken Walker, I think he's a great prospect. Probably second half, better than the first half, especially because he just had that core surgery, which wasn't a sports hernia. Good thing. But still, it's surgery. He's missing time. And Rashad Penny is somehow duct taping his ligaments and bones together to where he doesn't break something. Now, I feel like this was like the first like big shock. Conrad, you jumped up there. You snagged your guy Chris Olave at 1-4 over Traylon, over Garrett Wilson, over Jameson Williams, 
You must have been watching Ohio State tape. Like, I, I know. <laughs> I mean, so like, what's your like twenty second thoughts on like maybe like what's the angle he saw with Crystal? Chris Olave over everybody else. And I know you're an Olave hater. No, I'm not an Olave hater. I, I like Olave. I think it's it's like everyone else in this draft class, especially with the receivers, it's very polarizing. Everybody's got their guy. There are mm-hmm. Olave guys, there's London guys, there's Burks guys, and there's Wilson guys. And it looks like Conrad was definitely an Olave <laughs> guy. So that's when remember we, we talked about this that for a time, it was almost even the 102 back. Yeah, it's been pushed back. I think it was more so the 104, and then it got mm-hmm. out of this mess. But I don't really think there is a wrong answer. I think at that point, it's just yeah. you get the guy you think's the best, and that's what he did. And then more power to him, maybe. After him, did the same thing after that. So, yep. Because yeah. then, uh, after all, you know, with like we talked about the 101, there was some trade shenanigans. Bruce uh, slid back up to the 15, or should I say, slithered his way back up to the 15. And he unfortunately drafted the biggest mistake of his life, Traylon Burks, the one five, who played in the fourth quarter with his team again and caught one of three targets. That's the time progress. <laughs> hey, that's true. It is a step <laughs> in the right direction. Him and Malik Willis are going to be the best third stringers the world's ever seen. I like, I like Malik Willis. <laughs> God, how can we be BFFs and yet have such contrasting views on, you know, what skill looks I think like? we agree on 80%, but it's 20% that makes for good content. So that's why that, we're here. That is a very valid point. And then, oh, and then we come to the pick that broke my heart. Dylan <laughs> traded ahead of me. I should have seen this coming because he's been asking for Sky Moore in the Fantasy Criminals League for like the past two months. He selected Sky Moore. One spot ahead of me. And that's the only reason I moved up. Because I told my wife, I was like, yeah, there's only two people that's in this first round that I like really want. It's Brees Hall oh, and it's Sky Moore. 107? Oh, yeah. That makes it even worse. It, that's the only reason why I made that trade with you. Because I'm like, I think this will be safe but enough. To your, to your credit, if if you would have asked me when you made that trade and said, like, hey, do you think there's any chance somebody takes Sky Moore before the 107? I would have said, no. You're <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it shocked me as well. Oh, yeah. Sky Moore, I mean, he's, he's a great prospect. I feel like the angle for him is not necessarily this season necessarily. I feel like it's more so next year when he, he's looking at potentially being Pat Mahomes, you know, 1A option or number two option or something like that. Uh, because MVS, he got a contract this offseason. Juju just has a one-year deal. Travis Kelsey is getting up there. And I think him and Dust are starting to rival each other and how old they are. So... He's getting there. Zeus That's is Kelsey, who is the same age as Gronk, I think. Maybe he's a little bit older. Which is terrifying. Which is think. something else why you should probably trade Travis Kelsey right now for as much as you can get into a competing <laughs> team. But anyways. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I obviously like the pick. I'm sad and it broke my heart, but it's it's kosher. I'll hate you for it later. Which at 1-7 put me in a conundrum because I didn't necessarily want Garrett Wilson. Not that he's a bad prospect. Jamison Williams was a guy that I was like, I feel like I'm in a competing window. I need something that can help me more now. So, and it was like too early for the running backs, like James Cook, Damian Pierce. So I went with Kenny Pickett because on the roster, I already have Mitch Trubisky. And I figured, eh, what the heck not? At least I get the quarterback room for the next five years. Yeah. (laughs) Pilot the terrible quarterback room all the way to the playoffs, hopefully. But that that happens. And I'm not going to lie. I, for the next three minutes, I sat there with my hands on my forehead and was just deep breathing, saying, it's okay. You don't need to throw your laptop. You don't need to. It's fine. Did you give any thought to trying to trade back out of that spot? Did anybody give you any offers? 
I was trying to trade back very fervently. Quite some tuning offers. Nobody was nobody was nudging. Nobody was That's budging. Surprising. That's surprising. Even me, who had picks behind that, I got offers for every, almost every pick behind that. So just, people, people just hate me. It's fine. It's whatever. Wow. One plus because I feel like with this particular draft, this was like the lightning rod point of value was about to start to be had immediately after. Because even if I took Garrett Wilson, which would have been a steal, I feel like, you know, Kenny Pickett at the 1-8, who's the first quarterback drafted, I feel like that's good value. Jamison Williams, I feel like that's great value because before he got hurt, he was the potential, you know, number one receiver. Then there's still Jahan Dotson. There's James Cook, Damian Pierce. So I feel like that's why everyone behind me, and even like asking for future picks, no one necessarily wanted to scoot up was because like that was just the spot where all of a sudden value was to be had. And then Brucey boy screwed it up by drafting George Pickens at the 109. I, I, we should have seen him drafting a Steeler at the 109, but should he have well, taken George Pickens yeah. at the 109? Well, that's where I think if you wouldn't have, that's why I'm curious is if he, if you wouldn't have taken Kenny Pickett at 107, let's say you do take Garrett Wilson, does he take, which Steeler does he take at that spot? Bruce, you're going to have to send, like, let, send us a message and let us know because I am morbidly curious. I think, well, here's the deal. I think whenever he made that trade of Justin Fields, that's, what changed his mind? Because at that point, before the trade for Justin Fields, his quarterback for Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, David Davis Mills, all young guys, but mm-hmm. not a single one that proven. Now, Justin Fields, obviously not as proven, but you get my point. I think that made a big decision on – Once he got Justin one. Fields, he felt more solidified enough. Well, he certainly got one of his guys. Yeah. So I don't have to get another one. And then apparently he got another one of his guys. Congratulations, That's I guess. Different type of guy, yeah. <laughs> But then, Jance, you almost went on a tirade because you had one, two, three, four, five of the next six picks. And, uh, well, and there was a reason for that. I there's a, there's something to be said about security and having back to back to back picks. <laughs> is, is that I can if I knew that I made it to that one eleven, then there's no worrying about somebody's going to come in here and take my guy. Yeah, and just take the run of who you got and. It, it worked out well for me. But getting back to my 109, I was very surprised <sighs> that Garrett Wilson made it back to me. Garrett Wilson, while not my number one receiver, I could have made a case for it. Yeah. And he certainly would have been right at the top of my case of if I was somebody at the 104, he'd have been right there at the top for that consideration. So for somebody like that to fall five spots five behind value, in my opinion, I was uh, ecstatic. No, so, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like, for instance, if I didn't have Mitch Trubisky on my roster, I probably would have taken Garrett Wilson. Right. Just because, like, my thought was, because I had already had Mitch, kind of like I said, that means if I take Kenny Pickett, no matter what happens, I'm always going to have a third quarterback for a team this season. So I just kind of wanted that that comfortable blanket. But if I didn't have Mitch Trubisky, instead of just rocking with Geno Smith as my third quarterback – Garrett Wilson probably would have been the pick because he, he's good. That's, we can just leave it at that. Talking about value here, the fact that at 110 that Taylor was able to get oh. Jameson Williams, another oh. amazing value. Because me and you have had this discussion. I know the injury turns people off, but mm-hmm. this is Dynasty, so people need to get over it. But um, to get him at the 110, he might be, he the, might best be the best receiver in that draft yep. class. 
He might be the best player from no this draft, injury. honestly. Yeah, yeah, he might be the he might be the best receiver in this draft. And injury, no injury for him to make it back to the one ten is thievery. I was trying my dangest to trade with him. I was like, listen, I'll give you the, I'll give you whatever you want, know. basically. In retrospect, I, I I didn't think about it because I was in the middle of trying to get my kids to bed while this is all going on. But I probably would have and should have. I would have offered him my. Like 111 and 22. My 202 straight up for his 110, which yep. is fantastic value for him. And now he might have took it, but I would have done it. I probably. would have taken that in a heartbeat. <laughs> but, but yeah. And see, this is another fantasy football lesson don't have kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If there's any, don't have kids and don't have your drafts be at their bedtimes because it makes things really hectic. Yeah. This first round drug out. It was 10 minutes per pick, which is fine. Oh. I mean, I want people to talk, engage, and have conversations and trades, but. Dear God. I was complaining to my wife the entire time, not because of it might do anything inherently wrong, but before this, she's like, hey, babe, how long do you think your draft's going like to take? Like, take, an, take an hour tops. This thing's going to fly. Three Dude, hours later. Ten minutes allotted for each pick, and at least for the first round, everybody took all ten minutes to to take in all the trades that might come and all that stuff, and I was losing my mind. <laughs> like, my kids got to go to bed, and I got to do some stuff, and I need to get to my picks. But it, it worked out. Well, speaking of your picks, I'll just let you pilot it from here because, I mean, from the 111 to the 2-2, you took, in this order, James Cook, Damian Pierce, Jahan Dotson, Rashad White. I love yeah, it. Yeah, anybody that loves my Stranger Danger League, or my team, excuse me, knows that I'm in a rebuild because things went terribly last year. Yes, uh, they did. So, with that said, I'm just looking – well, I need – I need running back help, especially because I have none my, to give you, you, know, you folks who are listening, an idea. My top running backs at the moment are J.K. Dobbins, <laughs> A.J. Dillon, who I just traded for, thank God, and <laughs> Damian Harris. Gross. And that's like it. There's nobody else. So, so you have one body in A.J. Dillon, and then you have two halves. Yeah. Because I was able to get some really good value with James Cook and Damian Pierce, as well as Rashad White in that last pick. And then I got – I, who I think is a very underrated receiver in this draft class, being oh. John Dotson, what the fourth receiver taken in the NFL draft? Yeah, he was like people forget about that. He was taken ahead of Traylon. Okay. Yeah, so I, I could not have been happier through my first what was it five picks? <laughs> yeah, for your five pick, God, I hate you so much. No, I, I love it, and I definitely agree. Like so, even because remember a long time ago we had an episode where we were talking about Damian Pearson, how high could he move up? In drafts, like if he gets the solidified start, yeah. I mean, we said he could probably hit the 110, 111. Yeah, and you could have easily taken it at the 110. You just didn't because it's not the first name that you saw, probably. Yeah, no, if it, in reality, if it would have battered and somebody was behind me, that would have been a very difficult decision <laughs> between him. But I, I, I like it. I hate it because you have one of my favorite rookie prospects, Jahan Dotson. I'm I am getting higher on him every day, but the unfortunate thing is I will not get him any league because you are ahead of me in the second round and everyone, jerk. Okay. <laughs> but uh, So then at 2-3, uh, Christian Watson went off, and most people, you're probably going to see him go off in the first round, but in most sane leagues where there's some good thoughts, you won't see him that, go. <laughs> that could be amazing. It is amazing, value. Yep. Straight up, it is amazing, value, and it could be even better. It could definitely pop off because if he has one magical run with um, Aaron Rodgers once he gets on the field, look, make everyone look like idiots. Uh, then, so I'll kind of read off the next grouping because I feel like it's kind of it's it, it's a good conversation piece. So 
From the 2 4 to the 2 8, went as follows went Isaiah Spiller at the 2 4, Algier at the 2 5, Malik Willis, Zamir White, and then Brian Robinson in that six pick. So you had four running backs and one quarterback. Of this grouping, who has the highest upside for this upcoming season? The highest upside for this upcoming season, it's got to be between Algier and Robinson just because they are currently serious contenders for. I wouldn't say necessarily the lead job in the the context that we think of that, but somebody like the fifty percent. If somebody's pushing for some serious reps yeah. and touches at the running back position, both of them are getting that kind of that kind of uh, blurbs written about them. And maybe you take the guy with the better offense, which you would think would be Brian Robinson, maybe more <laughs> going opportunities. But yeah. I mean, they're both right there. And then here's another follow up: Who has the highest up upside? We'll just project three years from now. Are, are any of these guys going to have an Alvin Kamara like showing? Because remember, AK was, I think he was like a second round or a third round pick in most rookie drafts that year. Yeah, I and I know that's hard to project. And sure, sure. It's yeah, just I think like, that's probably, I think that's much too high for somebody to be ex- hoping. I said, you always hope, expecting from these guys. Yeah. Now, from my perspective, I know me, you and I differ in our evaluations. I'm an, I'm an Isaiah Spiller guy. Is promise for this year doesn't look great, not because of his own performance, but because Josh Kelly's been doing so well yeah. that it doesn't seem that he'll be getting a lot of touches this year. But from a talent perspective, once again, we go back to that's an elite offense. Austin Echo is not going to be there forever. So if you believe in the talent and you say, hey, I'm willing to take this guy and just hold on for a couple of years because I think I could be opening, mm-hmm. that's somebody I'd be excited about having. Well, no, I'm, I'll actually agree with you because I feel like of this group of names, he is the only guy that I could see supporting a three-down workload. And he's the only guy who I can see, like, if if all if everyone develops on the same rate, I feel like just based off of the team and the situation he has, he probably has the highest ceiling because what if next season or, you know, him and Austin Eckler end up splitting, um, splitting the carries, splitting the receptions and just the running back work, then what if the following season, Eckler's going to be 29, 30 years old, all of a sudden it's the Isaiah Spiller show. That's a very real possibility. Uh, I think this point of the draft, that's what you're hoping for. Yeah, for real. Because like you and I said, pretty much we said this, we preached it after the 2-5, 2-4, screw it, pick your guy, move on. And, speak, yeah. and speaking of picking your guy, Patty Big and Jelani Woods, more power to him. If you think he's going to be that guy, go for it. <laughs> he's 6-7. He puts no, Mo Alley Cox to shame with how big he is, massive, which is a big thing to say. Man. Oh, my God. Uh, the 210, uh, Seabrews snagged Wandale Robinson, which strangely I was seriously considering taking over Alec Pierce just based off of good things you've heard from camp. Yeah. But, they say he's been the best receiver in camp, which means a lot. I mean, Kenny Galladay still there. And uh, wow, I'm going mind blank. Uh, Kadarius Tony? Yeah, Kadarius Tony's there, who we know his talents. I mean, that, that that's no small thing to get that kind of hype. Yeah, and I feel like they're also hyping up kind of the rookie tight end, uh, Bellinger, I think his uh, name. Yeah, something like that. Yes, is that guy. But, yeah, they've also that like, guy. yeah, he's going to be good. Like, he's going to play a role for us. I'm like, what the heck is wrong with everyone else? <laughs> and then at the 211, so. yeah. I took Alec Pierce. Um, I've talked about him all off season. I think he could be in line for a great rookie year just because if he can... other, that was my other consideration at the two eight was with oh, the... Ryan Robinson or Alec Pierce because I like him a lot. Well, if it's any consolation, I would have taken the other one. So still still makes me sad a little bit. And then okay, I feel like this will be the last one that we can kind of go in depth with. Um 
Isaiah Pacheco crept into the second round. Now, I know draft night, I commented out there, speaking of reaches in reference to that, is it a reach or is it like, what What are you reading into this situation? I don't know what to think. <laughs> the, it's amazing that we've gotten to this point, but I'm really starting to view the Chiefs backfield like I view the Patriots. Now, the offenses are very different. One's obviously high-powered and capable of scoring. The other one is not that. <laughs> it's but, not. but the it, it's really becoming – this idea of you just don't know who's going to get the touches because since Kareem Hunt left, which has been, what, three years now? Since he was forcibly kicked out. Yeah, it was, I think, 2018. Well, I was trying to be kind. To I know. Him, but yes. <laughs> so for three years, that running back situation has been a mess. Doesn't look like it's getting any clarity. So as we tend to do as drafters, whenever you're dealing with committees or uncertain situations in specific position groups, take the guy with the best value, and yeah. that's – who Pacheco would be in this situation. So, I mean, who's to say he couldn't be the number one back in Kansas City this year? He could. And we've gotten so wide reports in this backfield. It was like, yeah, Ronald Jones could be the starter too. No, yeah, Ronald Jones might not make the roster. <laughs> might not make the roster. <laughs> yeah, it was like Clyde Edwards-Alaire looks like he's in prime position for three-down roll. Then another one was Clyde Edwards is splitting reps with the backups and stuff like that. Like, Jared it's just – Jerry McKinnon was supposed to be the third-down back slash just a good guy because he was good in the playoffs. Then here anything, comes Checo. If anything, in this crazy NFL world that lets you pick whatever number you want, you, why not take a running back with the number 10, which looks – it looks like Tyreek taking handoffs back there. My <laughs> mind is so jacked up. You see that? Yeah, we're gonna. That's gonna be an adjustment. It's gonna I be did. like, yes, Tyreek Hill. That's not Tyreek Hill. I knew that. <laughs> Just to quickly run down the third round, uh, Romeo Dubs jumped way up to the three-one because Seabrooks really wanted him. Uh, definitely outdid ADP on that one. Followed by Desmond Ritter, which I think is decent value at the least. Um, then Trey McBride, Jalen Tolbert, David Bell to you with a three-five. Tyrion Davis-Price at the 3-6, which I thought was sneaky good, personally. I would have taken him a little bit higher. Um, Khalil Shakur, 3-7. Hassan Haskins, uh, Tristan Ebner, Sam Howell. And then this one also hurt me because I was like, yeah, I'll take Sam Howell. Let's see what happens. Me too. I was thinking, Sam, how might I get picked and I just pick him free agency? I, that was my freaking thought. I was like, yeah, I'll put down a $10 <laughs> fab bid on him. Me great, jerk. Then I took Vela Jones at the 311 and Tyquan Thornton at the 312. Is there a pick in that third round that you like the most? Uh, you can't say your own because it's cheating. No, and I wouldn't. I mean, I do like my pick. <laughs> no, I think you're onto something with the Tyrion Davis Price. I mean, once again, talking about committees, 49ers, they <laughs> want it ever. Just when you think you've got it nailed down, it never worked out that way. Now, he's a little bit different in the fact that he really is a put your foot in the ground and get north-south mm-hmm. kind of guy. Um, so he plays differently than Elijah Mitchell does. But there's a place for that in that offense. And if he can establish himself, then he's got a chance. And we know that nobody in that running back room can ever stay healthy. So he's got a chance. I mean, Elijah Mitchell's already down with like a hamstring injury that they're saying he should start for week one. And I'm like, should? This is raising uh, eyebrows. Well, in addition to that, anytime that someone begins to think that um, – and I'm going mind blank tonight. Uh, running back for the 49ers got drafted or played for Oklahoma. Trey Sermon. Trey Sermon is not, as somebody who's followed 49ers camp closely, his camp is not, it started <laughs> off good, but it has not been good of late. So, He's not been good. So, I mean, there's an opportunity there for sure. Yeah. 
I think I'll kind of dip my toes into the Khalil Shakur pool. I just like the possibility that he could be the slot guy. I mean, he's popped in preseason. He's looked good. Plus, I mean, it's a third-round pick that's tied to Josh Allen. Why the frick not? Um, now, kind of shifting gears and looking down towards uh, the giant list below, all these undrafted guys that still mostly sitting out there in our free agency pool, is there one that just captures your eye where you're like, I need to put him on my squad, and this is your opportunity to say it and then do it because waivers won't run until later tonight. So, uh, Greg Dolchitz is, is one of those guys. This is a guy. That was name I saw. Everybody's falling over, head over heels for Albert O. Rightfully so. I haven't been one league. But, I mean, there have been reports from camp that they've been neck and neck for all of camp, basically, which is a big deal, that if you could find a way to secure meaningful tight end touches in an offense that we think is going to be very productive, it's probably somebody you want to have on your roster. At least somebody that might catch touchdown passes. And once you get below about tight end eight, that's the only thing you're looking for anyway. Yeah. Just Who somebody that a warm body that can catch touchdown passes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and Greg Dulcich was the first thing that I saw off the top of the list. Um, I think kind of scrolling down a touch, um, I'll just kind of briefly gloss over Kate Otten, the guy from Ole Miss. When he's been on the field, he's done some good things, but he's not been healthy this offseason. Um, I think the guy that I'll kind of center on is Kyle Phillips. I mean, he's a fifth-round draft pick. I lied. He wasn't a UDFA, by the way. He's a fifth-round draft pick out of UCLA, and he's just been getting good buzz all camp. He's been getting run with the starters. He's in contention for the slot role. I know it might be low-volume passing offense, but right now, I mean, their starting receivers are Robert Woods who's coming off of an ACL injury. People have said he's looking good in camp. That's fine. On the other side, according to their depth chart, it's Nick Westbrook-Akeen, who had, like, shining moments of glory last year. Traylon's supposed to be there, and then Kyle Phillips, I think, are kind of, like, Traylon's will probably get the first shot because of his investment and the he's supposed to be the new AJ Brown. But Kyle Phillips is a guy who just, he's just he's hanging around. He's been available, he's been good, he's getting good looks, and he's playing with the starters, unlike some other rookie wide receiver they drafted. Who what's his one, name? One other name I have for you uh is Danny Gray, I like as well. Um, cool. just the guy who has four, two, four, three speed. Uh that the 49ers drafted in the third round, so decent, decent drafting. Oh, he's drafted in the third round? Yeah, it was, it was third or fourth round. Oh, wow. third round. He's the one that caught that sort of that 65-yard yeah. touchdown pass from uh, – Trey? Uh, yeah, for the 49ers this past preseason. So, they think there's a role for him. He's a vertical threat, and they think with Trey Lance that, if anything, at least he could push the ball down more field um, compared to Garoppolo. So, if you want to take a flyer on somebody, then – Maybe get some long touchdowns. Take a look at Danny Gray. Yeah, I mean, he, you're right. He was a th- rookie third-round draft pick. Uh, he's 6'2", 200, and if he can run like a 4'2", 4'3", speed. Oh, there was a, oh, there was a video. It's easy to find. You, the the uh, 49ers did a joint practice with the Vikings this past week before their preseason game. And there's a video of Danny Gray running past Patrick Peterson. I mean, Oof. Patrick Peterson isn't what he used to be, but he's still a good corner. And he – there's no move. There's no hesitation. I mean, he just straight just runs past him and gets behind him by almost 10 yards, and it is ugly <laughs> in a good way. It makes your heart warm as, like, an offensive guy. It's like, wow, that looks really bad for the defender. <laughs> it's, he's like it, – it makes me imagine, like, the Forrest Gump equivalent of real-life NFL. It's like, hey, Danny, just run fast and run straight. <laughs> we'll throw it up to you. 
If he does become something, he will become the Forrest Gump of the show. I pray to God it works out. Uh, but but yeah, that's kind of our um, recap of our Stranger Danger draft. And I know like that's very kind of niche to like the individual teams, but I feel like also it can give some perspective of the valuation and how drafts can get crazy. Like if I would have told you that Chris Olave went one four and Garrett Wilson went the one nine yesterday before the draft started, I would have been slapped around a little bit. With a Heineken. <laughs> exactly. 100%. But, uh, but yeah, no, it's crazy. Rookie drafts are crazy. And kind of, kind of some of these guys that we mentioned that weren't drafted in our leagues, doesn't mean it won't get picked up in yours, was Greg Dulcich, tied in from Denver. It was, I kind of mentioned the name, Kate Otten, Danny Gray from San Francisco, and Kyle Phillips, Tennessee slot guy. Uh, Jance, is there anything you would like to let the people know before we sign Aura and pass out and go to bed? <laughs> I'm very excited that we are, what, two weeks. weeks away from college football. We're three weeks away from NFL football, which is obviously what this podcast mm-hmm. is here for. So, very excited. I I think still we should find a way to get some kind of jersey bet oh. on the books between us. Because I have an entire new thing that I'm looking into. Beyond the fantasy aspect, I've got at least three or four players that I'm watching just for the discussions that you and I have that I want to desperately crap. prove you wrong. So oh, I'm crap. so excited about this. Well, we, we, we go text that. about this nonsense and then we'll, we'll bring it to the people on Sunday or next, next Tuesday when they hear grace their ears. Let but the league even have input. They can think it too know. crazy, but let's stick to Jersey. Sw- Jersey stuff. Yeah, we'll stick to, we'll stick to Jersey. Something that like at least has, you know, some pertinence for the season. Least, not like I'm going to go to Academy and get like the ten. I'm talking like, like the team shop, kids, like pristine auction, like yeah, forty fifty dollar jersey. Yeah. God, now I'm nervous. But anyways, we'll 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 bring that to the world next week. Thank you all for being along for the ride, uh, Jets as usual. Gracias for showing up, even though you know we're still at the bottom of the barrel. But so far, you're the best stuff that keeps coming up. So I guess keep being down there. Pulling me off the bench, and I keep showing up. <laughs> it's, it's like the guy who's just like the city league, you know, basketball teams that doesn't play. But then when he does play, the other team's like gives him the ball. It's like, here, shoot a layup. Make a basket, buddy. <laughs> have to appease his parents, so you put him in the game. I'm that guy. Exactly. Kate will send fun. you angry text if you don't put me on. Yeah, that's normal. <laughs> but anyways, thank you all for listening. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Misfit underscore FF, or you can email us at the.misfit.ff at gmail.com. Thank you all for listening. Leave us a solid rate and review, and we'll catch you guys next time. Bye.